0: You're listening to The Oaks Church, a faith family located in Denham Springs, Louisiana. For more information about The Oaks, visit oaksonline.org. Let's read in First John chapter 2, verse 28, going all the way to chapter 3, verse 3. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of Him. So what? see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that, that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, Now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. All who have this hope in Him purify themselves just as He is pure. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful... For the Word, we're so thankful that You speak to us in a language that we can understand and that You reveal the Word of God to our hearts through Your Spirit. You are a God who is gracious enough to reveal Yourself to us through Your Son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that You make us more like Your Son, Jesus. Conform us into His image as we abide in Him because You have brought us into the family as children of the greatest Father that we could ever have. I pray as we study this Scripture this morning, that it would lead us to worship your holy and great worthy name. And as we study this scripture, that those who are not born of you, by your spirit and by your choosing and by your calling, you would bring them to yourself. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this passage is, the main idea of this passage is basically this. As born-again Christians, as born-again children of God, we must abide. You keep hearing this word abide in this letter. We must abide in Christ and pursue a righteous life, a holy life, as we wait, as we wait for Jesus, our hope. So those who abide in Christ, he says, will be confident and unashamed when Christ appears. When Christ appears. You see that? Christ will appear. It's not a matter of if He appears. It's when. We don't know when, but He will appear. He will come back. We also understand that when Jesus returns... He's not coming to bear our sin. Right? He's already done that. When he came, he bore our sin and our shame and our unrighteousness. The wrath that we deserve, he bought it with the price his blood. So he's not coming to bear sin. So what is he coming for? He's coming to bring salvation. He's coming to bring salvation for those who trust in Him. But on the flip side, He's coming to bring judgment for those who don't. You're either on one side or the other. You're either those who have put their faith in Christ and abide in Him, or you're those who do not abide in Him and have not put their faith in Christ. And so there's judgment. He is the great judge. He is the righteous judge. He is the just judge. When He judges, He judges rightly. He is not a judge like we are a judge. For when He judges, He is a righteous judge. He is a judge that knows all things. He is a judge who understands humanity. He understands our humanity here. He humbly came and lived here on earth. And so he's not a judge that is unjust, but he's a just judge. Hebrews 9, verse 28, it says, So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin. Like I was saying, he's not coming to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Do you hear that last part? For those who are waiting for Him. As children of God, we wait for the Son. We wait for Jesus to come. We are earnestly seeking that day where we can see Him face to face. Acts 17, 30-31 says, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him, Jesus, from the dead. So Jesus is coming to judge as well. So Christ, he will appear. And he will bring judgment. He'll bring judgment to those who are not born of him. And he'll bring salvation to those who are born of him. when Christ comes, will you be confident? Will you be unashamed? Or will you be full of fear and full of shame? Think about how you would respond if Jesus came tonight. How would you respond to him coming? And I believe as you truly think about this and examine the way you would respond if Jesus came, It helps you see your spiritual health. It helps you maybe see if you're born again. The way we respond when Jesus comes back, He says, you can have confidence, boldness, be unashamed. Why? For those who abide in Christ. It's for those who abide in Him. So I said this word, abiding, this phrase, abiding in Christ, keeps coming up in this letter, and it's going to keep coming up. And it's because John knows it's important for believers. He knows it's crucial. He knows it's necessary. For those who are believers, they abide in Christ. So some of you here are saying, okay, you keep saying abiding in Christ, but can somebody give me a definition Can somebody tell me what this means to abide in Christ? The answer is so simple, but when it comes to life, it's complex. It's harder. It's easy just to say this than to actually do it because of the world we live in. It means to abide in his word and to obey his commandments. That's what it means to abide in Jesus to abide in His Word and in His commandments. To truly follow Christ, you must abide in His Word, obey Him, and walk in His righteous ways. Some of you here are automatically, we always do this to ourselves, but some of us here are automatically becoming very legalistic in thinking when I say these things. You must obey. You must do right. You must live a righteous life. You must hear his words and obey him. And we automatically come to this legalistic view. And I think John, I know John does a great job in the later verses of this to completely shut down that thinking of legalism. So in John eight thirty one, it says, So Jesus said to the Jew who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. 1 John 2.6, the same letter. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Who is he? Jesus. 1 John two verse 2.24 says, Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. So, how do we abide in Christ? It says it very clearly in multiple scriptures. John 15, talks about Jesus talks about abiding in Him. And it all comes back to those who abide in His Word, those who obey Him. When He says, do something, when He says, this is my commandment, it doesn't mean let's listen and feel bad about it. It means let us do it in love. We love Christ. His, his commands aren't burdensome. They're light, they're easy, because we enjoy the commandments of God. Why do we enjoy the commandments of God? Because we delight in the very one who gives the commandments. Our delight is in the very one who gives them. If you don't delight in the very one who gives the commandments, you will never delight in his word. And that is why the love of God is so important in this picture. John 14, 15 through 20. This is what Jesus says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Do you hear that? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. The greatest commandment is to love God. Right? Love God with all your heart, heart, soul, mind, and strength. How do we love God? How do we love Him? Is it just a feeling I'm I'm not trying to take out emotion because we are emotional people. God made us that way. But here Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So how do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? You abide in Christ. You abide in him. And how do we abide? In Christ, we abide by hearing his word and obeying it. So we got to verse 15, 16, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Spirit of God dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This word, Orphans. It's very important when we start, we're going to start talking about the children of God. How are we not orphans any longer? It says, because the Spirit of God has come to dwell in us. It says, in that day you will know that I am, not, I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So where he started, he finished. Those who keep my commands, it is those who love me. So to abide in Jesus is to keep his commands. And to keep his commands through obedience is to love him. Do you see what's going on? If you desire to love God, abide in Christ. Abide in him. And we display our love for God through our trust, through prayer, through a devotion to to Him. And this relationship is by trusting in love, praying in love, devotion in love. None of this is outside of love, because our love for God is because He first loved us. We don't love God on our own. That's not in us. We are dead without being born again, without the Spirit coming in revealing Christ to us and living inside of us. So we need new life. So when he talks about confidence and being unashamed when Jesus comes, he's talking about we can have a boldness and we can have no fear when Jesus comes because we are the people who abide in Christ. The second thing he talks about is those who live righteously and abide in Christ are born of God. So this is where he's going to defend this idea of legalism almost in a sense. He says those who live righteously abide in Christ, they are born of God. Let's talk a little bit about what this new birth is, is about when, G- when Jesus talks about being born of God, this is what he says in John chapter 3, <clears throat> verses 1 through 8. Turn to John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs of you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. So Nicodemus is pretty confused right now. So how is this happening that that? I can be born again, you know, how can that process happen again? I'm a grown man. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So what does it mean to be born again? Jesus says to be born again, you must be born of the Spirit. That the Spirit of God must come, reveal Jesus to you, and enter in make its home, its dwelling with inside of you. That's adoption. He makes you like Him by sending His Spirit to live inside of you. So He's saying, those who are righteous, they are born of God. Those who live right, they're born of God. And so when He's talking about abiding in Christ, He's not separating abiding in Christ and being born of God. He's actually saying that being born of God causes us to abide in Christ. So if you think that you can live a righteous life and a moral life and live a good life, and that is what it means to abide in Christ without being born of God, that's legalism. Only those who are born of God can abide in God. Only those who are born of God. And so it takes everything off of us. And it says Christ has done a work in us. Christ is in us. His Spirit is in us. We don't work towards something. He's already done a work in us. You see how if you flip that on the head and say, okay, the works give us this way to God. Our works cause us to be born of God. now you flip it on its head the other way and you say those who are born of God those are the people who live a righteous life. And it's nothing of ourselves. It's nothing we can boast in. It is all because of Christ and His work in us. And that is because all glory and boasting goes in Christ and not in ourselves. So being born of the Spirit is being born of God. So we were dead we were dead in our sins, but now because of Christ and His work, we can be made alive in Christ. That all happens through the work of the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of God reveals the gospel and our need for Jesus and draws us to repentance, we then have the Spirit of God living in us, dwelling in us. And this is amazing that we now have the Spirit of God in us. And when God places His Spirit in us, we become children of God. And John in verse 1 of of chapter 3 now goes into the love of God as the source of our privilege of being children of God. (coughs) So So he's talking about being born of God, and now he's going to talk about how we are born of God. How, we, how do we become in the family of God? How we become adopted children? It's because of the love of God. You see how this completely throws out legalism. It completely throws out legalism. And it puts everything on the love of God and the work of God. And so let's read in chapter 3, verse 1 of 1 John. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know him. So because of God's great love, we can be his children. That's an easy passage to just pass over and say, yeah, you know, we're children of God because he loved us. I've heard that since I was six in Sunday school. It's easy to do that. John is astonished of this great love. He's even commanding us, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. He's commanding us to examine, to be astonished with Him at this great love. We must remember there is nothing we did to cause God to love us. There's nothing we did here on earth to cause God to love us. The scripture says we were enemies of God. We were opposed to God. Yet because of his love for us, we can become children of God. He chose to pull us out of our death out of our darkness and brought us near, drew us near to Him through His Spirit and through the work of His Son, Jesus. And John here is so amazed and so astonished by this love that God would send His Son to draw us near. If God had not loved us, we would be hopeless. We would be doomed before a holy God. But God made a way. He made a way for us through sending His Son Jesus and calling us from our grave so that we could have resurrection life. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe That God can call you from your death in your sin to resurrection life. He can. That is what He does. That is what He does. The very work, the death of Christ, and the very resurrection of Christ is our trust. That is how we come from death to life is because of Christ's work and our trust in Him. Then John used a word here in verse 1. He said, lavished. Lavished. That word is meant to show us that God's love is abiding and permanent to His children. It's permanent. We have the gift of God's love not just shown to us, But that we can fully experience it. He lavished it upon us. He poured it out on us, not withholding His love. And He will never withdraw it from us. He will never leave it. We will never leave His love, like it talks about in Romans chapter 9 and chapter 8. His love cannot be taken from us, He lavishes His love upon us. So being called children of God, that's not just a mere title. It's just not what we say we are. It's what we actually are. And that's why he says that. He says we are, we can be called the children of God, and that is what we are. It's not just a title. It's who we are. We are children of God. And the children of God look like their Father. A righteous God who has children cannot have unrighteous children, especially those who are born of Him through His Spirit, the Spirit of God living in them. And that's why He says, if you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of Him. So if you live a righteous life, It's because you've been born of God. Now, can you live morally correct lives and still not be born of God? Yes, you can. You can. And don't let that fool you. You can even jump through the hoops of American Christianity and think you're born again. But born again, being born of God is a work of God. It is not jumping through hoops of human things. It is what God does. He does what He does. Only Him. Through His power and through His gospel. It is not of us. It is of Him. And all glory and all boasting goes in Christ. Not in us. So let's not, let's not forget that what God does is His work. And we can't do that work. We've never made a heart new. We can't make our own heart new. And so when you share the gospel with people, you pray. You ask the Spirit of God to move. When I pray for my son, I pray that God would reveal himself to him. I will be there to put the kindle underneath the fire. But he can only bring the fire. He is the only one who can bring him to himself. I will be there to guide, to share the gospel, to live it as best as I can through the Spirit of God. But only God can draw him through his Spirit. And it's the same as we share the gospel and we try to share the love of Christ The same love that John is talking about being lavished upon ourselves. We want people to know this. But he says, the reason the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know Him. Basically, don't be surprised when people don't love you because you love Jesus. They didn't love Jesus. They persecuted Him. They killed Him. And He did nothing wrong. He is a righteous man with no wrong. And they accused Him of unrighteousness and blaspheming in the name of God. And He is God. It doesn't make sense, does it? But they didn't know Him. They claimed to know the Father. But Jesus said, if you don't know Me and believe in Me, you do not know the Father. So, those who know Jesus, don't be surprised that the world doesn't just step in and give you a hand clap. You see it in today's society. You see it in today's uh, culture. You see it in the American culture now. If you're a Christian, it is looked down upon by many people. Even the shooting. You ask why? Why would he call out Christians? It doesn't make sense. It makes zero sense, and it's a shame. But they put Jesus on the cross. And Jesus tells us, don't be surprised if they come and they persecute you. If they shame your name, and they shame the name of Jesus. He actually says, be joyful, because it is in Jesus that you are being shamed. It is in Jesus that you are being persecuted. It is for His name and not your own. Verse 2 says, We will be like Him. That when He comes, in all His glory, in all His majesty, we will be like Him. This idea of being like Christ it's in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. We, we know that we conform to the image of Christ. We are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. Again, this is a work that God does, not us. And see, we do not yet know. That's what he's saying. We do not really know what will be, but we do know that we will be like Christ when he comes. And we can just trust that. We don't have to know everything about it, and we're not going to know everything about it. But we do know that He will glorify us before the Father, and we will look like Jesus, and we will see Him as He is. We will see Jesus as He is. That is our hope, that we will one day see Jesus face to face in all His glory. And we'll be able to worship Him with no sin, with no shame, in bold confidence, because we abide in Him here. So those who have this hope, in verse 3 it says, Dear children, it says, All who have this hope in Him purify themselves just as He is pure. So those who have this hope in Christ will purify themselves daily, And we'll look more and more like Christ daily. Those who have the hope in Christ that He will return, He is our hope. He is our life. Those who have that hope, that will cause us to purify ourselves daily, looking more and more like Christ. So John, he does a great job from steering us away from this idea of legalism trying to abide in Christ with our own strength and our own power and our own morality. And he says, no, only those who are born of God are righteous. And we are born of God. We are children of God because He has greatly loved us and lavished His love upon us that we can be called children of God. And that is what we are. Let this word lead us to worship. Let this word from God lead us to worship Him. If all we do is think about it and ponder on it and never thank Him for the love He has lavished upon us, we have missed, we have missed a great blessing. So let this this message, this, this scripture, this word from God Lead us to worship. As the band comes up, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. And this is just a way to worship. Jesus tells us, Do this in remembrance of me. What are we remembering? We're remembering that Christ died for us, that He died for us, and that we have forgiveness of sins this leads us to worship Him. And as we take the fruit of the vine and the bread, the body, we remember that He was beaten, that He was spit on, that He was stripped naked, that He was brutally, brutally beaten even close to death to the point that we can't even really recognize His face if we knew what His face looked like. His body was scarred and marred all because and all for our salvation and for His glory. So as we take the Lord's Supper, let us remember the sacrifice Christ made and take it very seriously. Examine yourself. Don't take it in such a way that it's light. Take it very seriously. Also, we understand that Jesus is alive. That He's coming back. That He sits on the right hand of God. And this is a reminder of that. That one day we will eat again. We will eat with Jesus and drink with Jesus the Last Supper. We will be able to to sit at a table and eat with Jesus and drink. What a great reminder of the Gospel and its work and its people. So as the band sings this next song, let's worship. Let's respond to the Word. Let's respond to the Spirit and what it's doing in us. If you're not a believer, if you don't believe you're born again in the Spirit, is calling you and you want to know more about this Jesus that I'm keep talking about I'll be back there there's other men who are here other women who are here that be willing to talk with you about Jesus and the salvation you have in his name so as we sing let's worship let's take the Lord's Supper and let us remember the love of God God That is lavished upon us greatly.